Welcome to episode one of 10 Podcast Lane, a bi-weekly series covering everything from folklore and monsters to serial killers and aliens. In this first episode, we take a look into the deathly history of the Banshee. The Banshee, or Woman of the Fairies as she is known, is a supernatural being in Irish and Celtic folklore, whose mournful wailing or keening was believed to foretell the death of a family member of the unlucky person who heard the blood-curdling shriek. Now, it's important to note, she can foretell death, but not necessarily cause death. Either way, hearing her keen is a scary prospect. Throughout Irish and Celtic legends, there are stories of a lament being sung by the woman of the fairy mound, the Banshee. She would sing it when a family member had just died or was about to die, the poor soul soon to follow the dire fate, as if predicted but not caused by the grieving spectre. It is said that the Banshee laments only to the descendants of pure Milesian stock of Ireland mostly with Irish names containing O and Mac. And some accounts even state that each family has their own Banshee, which is kind of scary, as that means a lot of families have a lot of Banshees, as a serious amount of surnames translated into their Gaelic origin have O's and Macs in them, my name included. you're probably thinking Milesians. Who are Milesians? Well, according to the Labor Gabal Aaron, with the book of the taking of Ireland as it's translated, are the final race to settle in Ireland. The Milesians are Gaels, or Gaelics, who arrived in Ireland from Hispania after sailing the seas for decades, and once arriving in Ireland, had to strike a deal with the Tua de Donan. The Milesians agreed to take the world above while the two of the Donnan took the world below, the other world. There are many varying descriptions of the Banshee, depending on the region or the country. In Scotland and other Celtic countries, she is seen as a short woman, standing usually around four foot tall, and described as old and weary, crone-like with almost skeletal features. Whereas in Ireland, she can be seen as a beautiful woman. Sometimes she has long, waving hair, wearing a grey or black cloak over a green dress, and her eyes, her eyes are red, bloodshot from the sorrow and constant weeping for the death she foresees. Sometimes she's dressed in white, with red hair and a ghastly, soul-churning complexion that is said to turn a person's hair white with pure fear they gaze upon her. But always she can be seen brushing her hair, crying in sorrow, or washing herself, singing. In some tales, the Banshee is said to take the form of a deceased family member, or possessing an unfortunate soul, who then becomes a harbinger of impending debt to her mortal kin, as she sits lamenting, with her face veiled in shadow, crying, foretelling a sadness that is soon to be realised. She has also been said to take the forms of non-humans, crows and other birds, 
standing outside a window pecking at the glass in a constant tap or is a black cat crying outside a house This brings us to Keening, the Banshee's trademark. In Ireland and parts of Scotland, a traditional part of mourning is the Keening woman, the Ban Queenche. Strangely enough, as far as weird jobs or talents go, this Keening woman, in some cases, can be a professional whom would be hired, for want of a better phrase, to keen and lament at funerals, much to the anger of the local churches, as these are usually lower class women and usually alcoholics. Yes, you heard me right, a professional keener. And the best keeners would be in high demand, but I guess that's no stranger than people paying for likes or follows on social media these days. Unlike phones, social media and obituary columns in today's papers, if you were to believe the Banshee, she would be the first to notify a family of a debt before a word even reached them. They would know of an ill fate, only to be waiting on the name of the poor soul in their family, whom had died. So this gives you an idea of what the Banshee is, her legend going back as far as the 14th century, and what torment she puts families through. In her own eternal suffering, keening, a grave warning to anyone who hears her. This brings us to a true story of an encounter with a banshee. In 1996, late one summer afternoon in rural County Kerry, Ireland, a 13-year-old boy and his younger sister, who will both remain nameless for obvious reasons, were playing hide-and-seek in a barley field. Running through the rich plants as the western Irish wind gently swept across the land, the setting sun illuminating the field with rich shades of purple and orange. The boy, as usual, was the seeker in the game, just to see his younger sister beam with joy as he found her hidden just below the flower spikes of the barley. Just beyond the field was a deep covered wooded area. Even as the sun cast its light in its direction, the woods still remained dark and foreboding. As the boy was searching for his sister, he noticed something just at the edge of the field right before the woods. It looked like a black bag, just floating ominously in the air. The boy dismissed it as being just farm waste or rubbish that had blown astray from the farm. As he continued searching for his little sister, who was an excellent hider, and some days she wouldn't even be found during the game, which would send their mother into a panic, he noticed through the barley, the black bag still fixed in his peripheral vision. Again, he dismissed it, thinking it was just the wind fluttering the bag around. Suddenly, the boy noticed some movement in the barley, about 20 metres from him. He crouched down and silently waded through the brush, hoping to find his sister with the usual ear-to-ear -ear grin on her face, and hoping that the sound of the wind bristling through the barley would mask his approach. Instead, he heard something quite different. Wailing very faint but distinct wailing just off in the distance. He stopped and listened. The sound of the wailing emerged with the whistling of the wind coming through the woods, reminding him of the sound of a kettle boiling. You know the sound, the loud, 
constant, high-pitched screeching. He crouched there, listening for 30, maybe 40 seconds. Then, out of the corner of his eye, he seen his sister jump up from hiding and running to a different location, which made his stomach sink with fright. The object blew nearer to the boy now and was just coming into his sight proper, just floating there. He began to get really uneasy now. It seemed like what he thought was a bag initially was following him. He shouted to his sister that the game was over and they were about to make their way back to the house. But even when giving this order, his gaze was fixed upon the black bag, which seemed so ominous hovering there. His sister popped up from her hiding place and proceeded to run home, not knowing why she was to go home, but doing as her brother told her. Before he could turn and follow his sister, he noticed the object was close enough to distinguish what it was. What was it? It wasn't a bag. It was a long, black robe, tattered and torn, the bottom of it stained with dirt. He stood there, mouth open, not quite believing what he was seeing. In what can only be described as pure terror, he watched this bundle of rags float across the field and coming straight at him. The wailing became louder now. His heart began to pound erratically, as if trying to beat right out of his chest. Sweat flooded off his brow. All he could do was watch as this thing came closer, as the keening became louder. All he could do was watch as the ragged, stained apparition came closer and closer. The bundle of rags stopped several meters in front of the boy and the wailing also stopped. All he could hear now was his heart beat in his ears, like some ancient primal drums of war thumping away. The cloak rose higher from the ground and emitted a blood-curdling shriek, a piercing scream which deafened him briefly. He held his ears and felt warm, crimson trickle out of them. Now in front of him, a hooded Anthony filled the robes. It stood tall and thin, long white hair flowing out of the hood. It then turned to the terrified boy, eyes piercing right through his soul. He felt a sudden, sharp pain in his chest. He fell in a heap on the ground, both hands trying to dampen the pain in his chest. The ghostly figure let out another deafening scream, and he noticed through reddened, tear-filled eyes that it was a woman. She was pale, old, with a gaunt face. She pointed at him with her long, skeletal fingers, and then pointed in the direction of his house, the same house his sister was just after running towards, moments before. She looked directly back into his eyes, let out an otherworldly scream, and disappeared into a dusty haze, leaving the ragged cloak to fall in a bundle on the ground. The boy lay there, in the barley field, the wind still blowing, sending a shiver down his spine as the cool air hit his sweat-covered body, panting and looking at the blood stains on his hands. He lay there, in pain and fear. It was only then he realised what had just happened, the harbinger of death herself the banshee. She wasn't coming for him though. She never appears to the person that will die. She came to warn him. He stumbled across the field, the barley flowers hitting him in the face as he traversed the rows and rows of flowers, eventually ending up at his house. He found his sister standing in the kitchen, silent 
and statuesque. She didn't even notice him crashing through the door. He startled her when he finally touched her on the shoulder. She turned, looking at him in absolute horror, tears pouring down her face, still speechless. Looking at him and then looking at the floor, where their mother lay, dead. Now this type of story, hard to believe as it may be, is commonly heard in Ireland, especially the more rural parts. Every family has a tale that is passed down of their uncle, aunt, parent or parent's parent that seems to be made up, but to the family and those who tell it is very real. I've personally heard stories of the Banshee directly from my father, who would not have an ounce of superstition in him about hearing an ungodly scream outside the window. He would not go up to see what it was, knowing the tale, although not fully believing it but still not willing to tempt fate or take a chance. Then, two days later, my uncle, his brother, passed away. Now this may be a sad coincidence, it may have just been his time, but maybe, just maybe, this was the woman of the fairies preparing him for what was about to happen. <laughs>